Asita. What plans this year for your school break coming up? Lots of plans as always and particularly now that uh, COVID is probably, is it a distant dream yet? I don't know. I'm trying not to find out. Uh, okay. Yeah, several plans to all four corners of the country at this point in time. But do you have any recommendations? Oh, I'm so happy that you asked. So I'm going to nudge you towards this little villa <laughs> in Goa that uh, some close friends of mine have set up. And honestly, it's because uh, we've all gone there once already and you can only go there once. And uh, they're running out of guests. Um, it's a new place. It's a lovely place done up so beautifully, walking distance from the beach. But the marketing act is just not kicking in. The leads aren't coming in. That's so strange, right? I mean, you have said that you've all been there once and you I'm sure you must be recommending it to people like you have just now. So what's not working really? Like, I'm so curious. I mean, have they just exhausted the pool of people they know? Is that probably what it comes down to? I think so. And I, hence what they have set up as some kind of a marketing plan. Um, maybe it's not uh, kind of um, clear enough for the clutter that is Goa, I presume. Mm, yeah, that's true as well. Ah, starting a marketing process and scaling a marketing process are two very, very different things. And a lot of us make this mistake, right? I'm sure we have as well at some point. Wherein we think that the early wins are the real wins, right? The early traction is the kind of traction that we want to amplify. And uh, our customers are basically replicas of the people that love us anyway. So why aren't they just coming in and doing what they're supposed to do? To answer that question, I think we need a guest, uh, someone who knows exactly how to go from starting something to scaling something very, very well. And that's the marketing process. Welcome to the damn good marketing podcast. We're just one episode away from the season finale and it feels so strange. So for this episode, we thought we'll let the episode and the guest do a little bit of the heavy lifting. And we have with us today, Aniket Sengar, Director of Marketing Ops at Digby Health. Uh, Aniket is a very good friend of mine. Uh, He ran his own agency for several years before being acquired and hired by Digby Health to run their marketing process. Uh, And I'm sure he knows a lot more than we do about how to go from 1 to 10 to 100 and hopefully 1000. Welcome Aniket. So nice to have you here on behalf of me and my friends in Goa with empty rooms in a villa. <laughs> Thanks, Hazita and Shubha. This is, uh, this is an amazing opportunity. Uh, I've seen how you built and grown this podcast. And I think I can learn a thing or two from you guys, to be honest. That's so sweet. That's so sweet. <laughs> Thank you, Anikip. <laughs> so the first question we have for you today is actually, it's a bit of a personal choice versus what the market wants. Because I think we all, uh, you know, have so much jargon in this industry on which we did an entire topic a while ago. Uh, but I think the most recent thing doing the rounds is product marketing. Uh, I'm sure nobody really understands what some of these terms will mean. Uh, but in your context, why marketing ops and why not product marketing? How do you see those two as being different? And how do you see your role in marketing ops as being different from what we understand to be product level marketing? Right. So do you sort of explain the difference between you know traditional marketing, marketing ops and product marketing? I usually cite this uh, dairy farm analogy that I've uh, honestly recently come up with, especially for this podcast. So, uh, I mean, consider like a husband-wife uh, farmer tag team that are running a dairy farm in the village. And let's assume that the husband is a traditional marketer. His role would be to figure out 
where the milk sells in nearby towns and cities, um, you know, figuring out who are the decision makers, whether they are homemakers or head of families, who determine how much milk and when is it going to be con consumed. And uh, he needs to figure out how to differentiate the milk that the business is producing from other milk farmers in the vicinity. And uh, you have to price it right, depending on what kind of strategy you're sort of uh, going for, for your product or your service, whether you want to lead with cost or if you want to lead with quality. So that, that's yeah. essentially the role of a traditional marketer. But a product manager, let's assume the wife is the product manager. In this case, she's pretty much the closest to the product. You know, the wife would uh, essentially build relationships with uh, large consumers of the product or the service and try and figure out when, what quantity and which quality of milk do they like consuming so that she can uh, give the feedback to the product team or you know, whoever's creating the product to better suit the product and the needs of the consumer. Yeah. Right. And uh, in, in the meantime, you know, while the product is being consumed, she has to ensure that the consumer doesn't become lactose intolerant or grow tired. Yeah, that's the, the big one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to be really nuanced as a product marketer to understand the needs of the consumer and continuously give feedback to your product team on how to uh, improve your product. Right. And uh, what marketing ops does, let's assume you know, uh, the unsuspecting child labor here. Uh, and just to just to oh sort God. of as, as a disclaimer to listeners, no children were harmed during the making of this podcast. Or I'll, this I'll example. Just, or, or this example for that matter. So <laughs> marketing ops, uh, a typical marketing ops guy in this uh, scenario would uh, set up records and ledgers for how much milk is being consumed by which customer. And, you know, what are the sales, when are the sales orders coming in? And uh, also calculate the cost of promoting the product to the end user, whether it's setting up a you know, kiosk or a pop-up store or printing out posters or whatever it is that maybe that uh, increases the visibility of the product in the market. And uh, the marketing ops person would have to execute all marketing uh, cadences and operations that have been you know, defined in agreement with the marketing head, the product marketing guy and, and the marketing ops team. So essentially, that's, that's how... If you scale this example to a very modern business, this is essentially how marketing mm. is handled across startups and even in bigger outfits. Makes sense. So what I'm hearing you say is that none of these things are mutually exclusive. So it's not that you've hired one and you don't need the other. It's almost like a relay or a tag team, you could say, wherein they're constantly tagging each other off and doing things. That's interesting because I'd always thought that maybe it was one or the other. And But that also brings me to the question of when your company is really small and say mm -hmm. the example of the folks at the villa, I'm sure it's a very small enterprise uh, right. potentially run by the family in this case. How do you go about assigning roles or how do you identify that, okay, this is something that I can do and this is something where there's a gap area clearly. Uh, what process would you recommend in terms of, you know, obviously some amount of soul searching for sure, but this is also a specific skill set that we're talking about. Yeah, honestly, so the, the skill set that is uh, common across all top performing uh, marketing executives or product marketers or even, you know, business founders for that matter is uh, a creative problem solving. You need to be very, very creative when it comes to any business problems that are presented to you. That doesn't mean, you know, you have to paint a great picture or, you know, play five instruments. That's not the definition of creativity here. 
it's yeah. more about you should be willing to spend uh, a lot of hours in your day to uh, reflect on a specific business problem whether that's lack of sales whether that's uh, increase in operational cost whatever it is that your business may be facing you have to deeply research the problem brainstorm with the people that you trust in the business to yeah. figure out how to solve it so that's that's one thing that's common and that's needed across uh, you know anyone who who's striving to uh, solve any marketing related problems and the second would be data analysis whenever a business uh, you know is doing business with other customers it generates a lot of ton of data yeah so you should be comfortable with analyzing all of that data spotting patterns and uh, and to cite a personal sort of anecdote i i failed most of my math classes when uh, you know when i was in school but oh, that's all I, of us <laughs> maybe not subha subha was always the overachiever but yes that's true of the rest of us <laughs> so for pretty much the 99% of people who are listening to the podcast uh, or so i'm assuming uh, and and you know there there is a reluctance from uh, people in the creative profession uh, and in the marketing profession too sometimes to not uh, give a lot of importance to accounting things to uh, the maths or the arithmetic or to the data behind it all when you spend enough time with data you do realize that it's just a tool you don't need to know five statistical tools to analyze certain data is just a tool to figure out how you want to solve your problem then you spend enough time with it anyone who's not even good at math or great at data analysis can eventually understand or spot patterns what's happening or, yeah, yeah yeah exactly see and this is the most critical skill out of all is empathy towards uh, what your customers want uh, yeah. and what the stakeholders involved in your business want i mean most marketing gurus or people who spend time building a lot of brands tend to forget that they've not uh, become these marketing gurus in isolation they've always worked on projects and on the feedback or they build brands on the feedback of other customers so all the knowledge is essentially uh, is never obtained in a silo and when you switch brands or when you switch industries you have to start at zero so mm. constantly listening to what the customer wants which is a very important function of product marketing will definitely help you succeed in whatever you choose to do in this mm. field aniket um, as when you talk about data it isn't always numbers right like for example if i am going back to my friend's villa because it's a big problem in my mind right now um, right now the data may be quite skewed because everybody is from their network so it might show that in terms of demographics the people who are visiting are all between let's say 30 and 40 and or they're predominantly women or whatever but that you know so it does that kind of data in the early days help or is there a better way to go about it oh definitely so honestly and in any stage of the business experimentation is key right the whole objective of uh, you know building or scaling a business is that you're providing to the society uh, something that it cannot produce by itself or it it isn't great at producing it which is why the society rewards you with resources and money and you know time to do things that you really want with that business so ab testing is critical here i mean if you have these two or three key audiences that you know are working well for the business then slot them aside and try and find out more through uh, research or surveys or interviews what do they specifically like about the villa why do they want to visit it and what makes them uh, do repeat visits or repeat purchases of whatever you know a, a space or a product or a service that you're trying to sell 
and then never be closed off to uh, sort of new customer funnels or audience sectors that you sort of can build in your business. It's best to, uh, when you think of a marketing framework, it's best to have your core audience uh, sort of slotted separately and then uh, emerging audiences or new audiences that you probably want to experiment with, run ads on and figure out if they really resonate uh, with your business or if they're influencers in the whole buying decisions or they actually making those decisions and you don't have the right uh, kind of audience uh, encircled. You know, th- these are the kind of decisions that data can help you sort of arrive at. Sure. And and I love that you couple that with empathy because I think that uh, really goes a long way to creating uh, one a loyal customer and then the, the referrals and the recommendations that hence follow from that, right? Uh, Hasita and I were uh, away with some friends recently and uh, at a place with a pool and we just loved it that the caretaker said, hey, when you are going to use the pool, just give us a call so that uh, we'll make sure nobody comes this side of the property, right? Yeah. Which I felt that uh, one, they were in our shoes. Um, they They realize what we needed and that probably came because somebody earlier gave that feedback and they've looped that into the process so effectively no definitely i mean all and especially in the case of villa uh, i mean you have two levels of services going on one is uh, you know common problems that you business has already solved you've sort of brought them into the cadence and now you're giving uh, this uh, an elevated level of service just because of the fact that you've incorporated all that feedback and then uh, there's the other uh, the the culture part of the service where you've trained your people to delight the customer at whatever customer touch point possible and this is specifically very true with uh, the overall chain of hotels they pretty much have the highest NPA score in the entire world when it comes to service and that's because all their employees are trained to be extremely empathetic to the consumer observe what they're doing obviously be out of their way and not stop them but yeah. <laughs> uh, ensure that, uh, you know, if they're at an Oberoi property, they get an experience that they never forget, which automatically ensures that they become your promoters and start telling five people in their circle that, you know, uh, I had an amazing experience uh, at this specific property. So I think that's something that any business can learn from. It's quite interesting. In fact, if we were to extrapolate the same example uh, to the villa and Goa at this point in time, I think a lot of early feedback, again, because these are people who know them in a context that's outside of the villa and the villa as a product, uh, it's going to be good, right? Like people may say, oh, it's amazing. Oh, the flowers are this, oh, the trees are this, oh, it's right next to the sea or whatever. Uh, but I think somewhere the uncomfortable questions also need to be asked in terms of, hey, if there was a 5% that was wrong with this, what was that? And sometimes that's tough because it is a villa which you've called home for so long and now you've opened it up. But that's the only way to find out what is actually not working, maybe even for the people that know us and love us. And kind of build on that maybe to some extent so that we don't repeat that at scale. So this is is a very marketer-specific problem. We all have a savior complex, right? We all think that we have to save the world uh, on some level or the other and we take it quite personally. Uh, I often take it to the point where I had a clinical diagnosis for anxiety. So that's how far things can potentially be taken. So in your context, Aniket, in your work with Digby, uh, obviously it's a growing company and there are lots of things that are moving at any point in time. What are certain problems that you would consider yours to take charge and solve for? And uh, what are certain problems which I wouldn't say avoid, but you'd see yourself as playing a secondary role, really? 
uh, and it's not really something that you would want to get involved off the fly because time is finite and you want to spend it in the right places. Definitely. So to answer the first sort of part of that question, uh, the savior complex is an incredibly useful skill. It's a survivor, <laughs> okay. it's a survivor tactic and it should be directed inward versus outward. You have to save yourself first uh, before you can go and save the world. <laughs> so, yeah. and to sort of apply that in a very professional context is whatever you're working on, whether you're starting a business or you're in marketing or in accounting or finance or whatever, uh, it has to be something that you love doing or something that you're deeply passionate about. Uh, yeah. In our life and times, the age that we live in, we have a lot of luxury to switch careers, find things that we love doing. So it's our moral imperative to uh, find something that we really love doing and then work towards it. Because uh, when you do that, at, at a level, uh, you'll be supercharged to solve the problems that uh, sort of are encountered by the business that you're working on. Because uh, then work doesn't stay work, it becomes play. So yeah, which, is, yeah. which is the sort of mindset you want to be in, you know, in a job or where you're starting a business or, or scaling a brand. And specifically to Digby Health, I uh, entered Digby Health with a vision to sort of uh, uh, overhaul the design uh, of, of the entire brand, whether, uh, you know, how it looks on LinkedIn or other social media, how, how does the website look, how does uh, the UI function yeah. when somebody opens our app and sort of checks out our services. But I realized that once you sort of solve the design problems, then you get married into the business as well. You start yeah. solving some of the customer issues, uh, some business problems, and then eventually you're at a point where you're also solving very core issues to the business, which is uh, enrollment, revenue, cost, uh, hmm. these things that are common across industries and all businesses. Every business wants to have the maximum uh, number of customers possible, maximum profit possible, lowest cost possible. Eventually, when you sort of uh, elevate yourself beyond uh, solving the problems that uh, you want to solve, you eventually encounter problems that are very critical to the business. And then you have to take a call on whether uh, you want to be involved with all of these problems or some of these problems that yeah. uh, you like solving. And uh, that sort of defines the direction of, you know, if you like to solve everything, then you will probably <laughs> become the CEO, right? But if, if you only want to get into marketing or if you only like to, you know, figure out what the customer wants and you probably stay in marketing. And then yeah. if you really uh, like going, uh, you know, if you like opening the hood and seeing how the product functions, how is the service delivered, then you're probably going to transition to product, right? So it's eventually your own answers to yourself that define how you're going to grow in a role in, in, in marketing and what specifically you value, the problems that you value solving at work or for the business you're working for. Makes sense. Yeah. And also you've spoken earlier about spending more of your time thinking and reflecting on what it stands at today in terms of a process or a function and what it could be. So, I mean, thinking again is a very abstract thing right like I could think uh, and there could be several different ways of doing that I could be reading and thinking or I could be watching something and thinking but uh, how do you build a culture of that because obviously today I'm sure you lead a team and uh, there are people in the system who need to be trained to some extent in that way of doing things which are good for the system so how do you then make a habit of some of these things which are more abstract well absolutely so uh to start with, when you're building or scaling a team, you have to do everything yourself or die trying. 
because uh, <laughs> from my personal experience if you are not aware of everything that is happening uh, in your uh, function yeah. then you know you really can't train or scale a team the way it should be so to get really specific you know how eventually i i had scaled digby and uh, how i brought in this culture of uh, doing everything yourself it's uh, you know there are two or three very core problems that uh, somebody in marketing needs to solve uh, you want to invest in creating content that is liked by your audience that's a very very core function as yeah. most businesses in the world are content companies uh, you know they are selling mm-hmm. products and services but uh, you know they core at the core they content companies so that's a problem you want to solve yourself also deep thinking about uh, who your audiences are what do they specifically want and continuously questioning your team to think about it as well all marketing teams anywhere in the world get into this habit of uh, doing things it's very easy for marketing teams to do uh, accomplish five things in the day or in the week or in the quarter and yeah. not actually arrive at an outcome so that's <laughs> yeah. a that's a cultural issue that you do need to solve in teams and that can only happen when teams are constantly questioning themselves if they're making the life of the prospect or the consumer better are they contributing to more profits are they contributing to reduction of cost so that sort of culture uh, ensures that folks who are working with you eventually get mature enough to replace you and then you obviously want to move on to more strategic problems but even now uh, i remember in one of your episodes yeah. you do need to think if you even need uh, an app or a website for your business <laughs> most yeah, that's uh, a, that's our favorite <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah most uh, most consumers these days do not need a new website or a new app to log into they'd rather uh, you know whatever new services or solutions you're trying to provide they be integrated into the existing network of apps that they already use right whether so that's true. facebook messenger or that's whatsapp or you know on the business side if that slack or chrome extensions or gmail widgets uh, there are so many products uh, you know especially in the saas area that i know that don't really uh, i mean the website for them is just a place to inform users about the product the uh, mm. actual delivery of service happens in one of these uh, apps that users are already are using yeah that, that's that's something that the team needs to think about as well so now that we know what to do and to some extent i think what not to do because i think there's also this temptation to invest in tools before investing in people and processes uh, let me just buy the shiny new tool off the shelf and hope that it solves my problems uh, and this has happened with people uh, buying software for everything like it could be an email subscription it could be an abm tool right it could be an and therefore it could be an expensive mistake as well uh, so you know just going back to the folks at the villa let's kind of help them out a little bit uh, now that you know that this is where you want to get started and maybe these are certain things you should be paying attention to where would you begin building and scaling a process right again so that question is answered mostly by this fact that uh, there are no prescriptions or you should not follow any <laughs> prescriptions you know anywhere especially when you're starting a modern digital uh based business uh, you have to learn and experiment everything by yourself before you decide to buy software that solves your problem for you um, in the end all tools are run by people uh, versus the other way around so which is why yeah. you should be in a space where uh, if you're trying to solve an existing problem break it down into a micro experiment try and manually solve that issue first in this case let's say it's uh, that repeat bookings aren't happening for that villa or mm-hmm. uh, a specific uh, audience category isn't responding to our marketing 
then uh, build a small experiment and try and solve everything you're you know manually by emailing or running social media ads or by doing account based marketing very manually till you mm-hmm. arrive at a cadence that uh, you can replicate in a tool and then that tool can scale that solution for you so only by tools when you have a certain idea about how to solve your problem because a tool can only scale a solution it can't magically create a solution for you yeah yeah that's, that's a great thing. insight i think we um, very easily subscribe to tools hoping that uh, you know my dollars will convert into a solution uh, but that's great insight that it, it can take it up several notches perhaps when you have the clarity of what you want to do Oh, absolutely so, so then aniket what would be some stuff that uh, we should think of buying as small businesses looking to scale oh absolutely so for a small business uh, a crm is critical because a crm is pretty much the center of your operations so if you don't have that then uh, it'll be incrementally difficult to add more tools to your stack so buying uh, a crm such as a salesforce or a zoho depending on uh, how much dollars are available with your business is a is always a good idea then uh, getting a hubspot for marketing automation is something that uh, you know most businesses do when they want to scale their marketing uh, hubspot is expensive so if your crm has inbuilt tools for marketing opt- automation then you should probably rely on those versus buying hubspot and uh, if you're into account based marketing if you have a saas product then linkedin sales navigator is definitely something you should uh, start initially with uh, it helps you to discover uh, new accounts and leads that you probably might not have looked at before and uh, uh, to pair with that uh, you should definitely get zoom info it's slightly expensive but then uh, it completely expands your horizons into uh, getting very contact specific details into where somebody works at what is their intent behind buying a specific product which keywords are they searching for when they are looking for Mm. to solve the problems in their specific roles as a procurement uh, person right and uh, once you have this in place you know you have a few account based management uh, campaigns going on you have a few emails that have worked maybe you have some deals closed then you need a tool to replicate this uh, which is a sales enablement software such as uh, sales loft or an outreach that stacks onto your zoom info and your uh, sales navigator and your crm as well and obviously if you have a b2c business then google analytics is really important for you definitely get an agency to help you map all conversion events on your mm-hmm. website or wherever it is that you're serving your customers then you know you can get other tools such as a hotjar to sort of get video recordings of how your customers interact with your website a basic heat map of your website of where people are looking at on your website or where they're clicking that gives you uh, you know insane insights into your customer behavior and uh, on the design end i i personally always use the adobe suite for all designers uh, so which is a great tool because it gives you pretty much everything from image editing to video editing to audio editing capabilities so your team is fairly well prepped when you have that awesome got it got it really useful i mean we've i think heard of some of these for sure but quite a few new ones that uh, i'm going to look into and also the larger context of how to apply each of these things has been answered mm-hmm. to a large extent like we might have heard of a zoom info but how do you use it for your context is uh, also equally important and you've answered that so thank you so much yeah a lot of uh, these young upstart professionals come to me and want to know how to uh, 
build a career into marketing ops or marketing for that matter i just tell them that uh, go and learn sales force and you're instantly employable the next day because if you <laughs> if you know how to run a specific tool i mean uh, half the marketers uh, you know in this world just want to direct strategic decisions nobody wants to actually go in and make 50 clicks and start a campaign so if you know how to do that then uh, you know nobody can stop you from Keep getting a job in the next week yeah no it was interesting you said that uh, most marketers want to do certain stuff and not do certain stuff right what's what's your mix like typically like what's the mix you're happy with how much of it is the strategy and the thinking and how much of it is gone in, in the day to day execution the the actual doing Uh, and what because i know that when it's for us when it's for our own business while the lines do kind of merge to a large extent there's this feeling that i'm spending too much time on marketing like there's a business to run or a business to think about scale grow but how how do you see it on the other side even as a marketer you don't always want to be doing something right no definitely so there are these certain core activities that you need to always be doing even if you're you know wearing the marketing head cap and the ceo cap as well especially in the terms of how modern contexts and services are consumed you always want to be very very close to your customers even though while you're worrying about your top lines and bottom lines uh, you cannot lose track of uh, where the industry is heading what your customers or your prospects want from a product right and to continuously evolve the product that you're trying to build right yeah and the the aspect of actually handling a business and its logistics and cost and all of that that is something that a business cannot run without which is why to handle a lot of that you should hire and train people who can essentially uh, you know you can delegate all of that to a specific talent pool and then uh, only you you would want yourself to concern only with more strategic strategic decisions in, in that matter and avoid getting into the day to day and operations uh, of something that you've already solved i mean we as we as people uh, really like solving issues again and again that we've already solved just because of the fact that we can solve it well or we've already come up uh, with a solution for it as as soon as you've uh, come up with a sustainable solution for a problem in your business uh, try and hire someone and delegate that task completely and you know retrain and review as you go along so basically know how to solve a problem to the extent that you then can delegate it and Absolutely. not just get obsessed i think uh, with the day to day yeah yeah absolutely and that takes me back to what do you want to do as an individual in your business do you like doing marketing do you like doing operations then restrict yourself to those kind of roles spend more time uh, and this is honestly uh, you know when i when i define uh, how you can achieve personal success apart from professional success is 60% of your time whatever you're spending on should be done on activities that you love doing you know that can be anything from marketing to ops to uh, accounting or whatever it is that excites you or even creating content for your own business so if you're not doing that you're not really living uh, you know very content life as a professional initially for the first couple of years when you're setting up your business sure you can wear multiple hats but then uh, after a point you should evolve to be in a place that you know where your business allows you to Uh, work on things that you love doing. Makes sense. And now it's time for the much-awaited Topical. So now it's time for a fun segment that we like to call Topical, uh, inspired by a certain cat who I had to adopt and then give away, which is a sad story for another day. So Anikit, we have uh, a bit of a blooper reel rapid fire for you, inspired by another shitty show that we are watching right now. <laughs> But what's the worst? 
campaign idea that was ever conceptualized in the history of time in your mind when we talk about marketing bloopers there's this one example i really like to uh, go back to so in 1981 american airlines essentially launched this uh, uh, you know a separate product that, that allowed people to get free first class tickets for life and wow. they essentially aimed it at uh, high performing executives who would be flying all around the world doing meetings and all of that in that uh, product you could get a lifetime worth of unlimited first class tickets for just 250k which is a big amount uh, in 1981 but where it sort of fell flat was regular rich people in the us started buying those tickets and then not only high powered executives and to the point that uh, you know american airlines was losing about 1 to 1.5 million dollars on each 250k wow. uh, ticket that they sold and you know people are doing all kinds of uh, fun stuff there is one guy who flew to uh, london 16 times in a row yeah that person would have been me i wasn't born then <laughs> but it would have been me <laughs> and you know a lot of uh, philanthropic sort of acts also came out of it uh, there was this one guy uh, and you know as as part of that promotion you could uh, apart from the 250k ticket you could also get your buddy along for an additional 150k so people would uh, you know get strangers onto flights and let them taste the good life whenever they were traveling so you had this whole, whole culture of uh, people giving away free tickets to people who would want to experience flying first class there, there was this one other guy who gave away all his tickets to uh, aids and cancer patients so they could meet with their families without having to obviously worry about uh, travel costs so kind of yeah. sweet and disastrous at the same time <laughs> yeah it is it is so the next one is what's the worst headline you've ever seen so yeah when i think of the worst uh, headline in in recent times i think it was uh, by burger king uh, it's not okay. technically a headline but uh, they started uh, a series of three tweets uh, with the first tweet being women belong in the kitchen now oh no they <laughs> yeah that's that's never a good start yeah <laughs> So and it all went south there after. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So there, you know, whatever marketing social media gurus in there uh, posted that in irony, and then they wanted to introduce uh, the philanthropic efforts that they were doing for their women staff and mm. starting a scholarship, especially uh, aimed at uh, women employees of Burger King who want to wanted to uh, pursue advanced education studies. but uh, most of the social media only sort of centered on that one tweet and they had to apologize for uh, launching a multi billion dollar philanthropic campaign which in itself is a big big uh, you know a brand has to really be uh, work very hard to reverse the yeah. crisis of their own creation <laughs> yeah that's that's true and also tweets work in silos sometimes we forget that yeah yes so that brings us to the end of topical so i think what's what's next from here and uh, what's the company level goal that you're chasing now and uh, how are you how are you going about doing that um honestly for the company it's all about creating this dent in the universe where we make chronic care accessible to everyone yeah. and uh, we realize that uh, the best way to go about it and this is we we actually failed at uh, doing b2c initially because we realized that the cost of the product was too high for an individual customer to pay so which is why we reached out to employers in the us and uh, activated them about you know the importance of uh, 
caring for your employees or building solutions for chronic health in your uh, employee healthcare plans. Yeah. So that's the main goal we're chasing. And uh, so uh, personally, I sort of came into Digby Health to uh, figure out the overall branding, the visuals of the company and then uh, got sidetracked uh, while <laughs> trying to solve the other marketing and other business problems. So now since a team in, is in place where there are a lot of folks who work with me who are much smarter than I am at solving these specific problems of the business, I honestly would want to, or I do plan to go back to uh, to, to designing uh, the UI and the UX that customers experience uh, the kind of visuals and the branding uh, that the brand should aspire to be now that uh, you know we are actually working with a lot of big companies like LG or Novo Nordisk or yeah. for that for that matter even uh, Virgin Pulse. So yeah, that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Make the world a beautiful place, quite literally, I think. Yeah, and uh, some of your logo work and design for Digby is just amazing. So you're well on the way for sure. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Angiket. It's really been wonderful um, hearing you and all of these marketing insights, which, I mean, there's quite a bit of homework for me to think about and things to try and and for my villa friends, of course, but uh, you've given us uh, some direction and that's very helpful. Quite a lot to think about uh, because this is actually one of those things that we don't think about when we start. Uh, there's a general euphoria about being successful and usually early wins, uh, I mean, Sorry to say, but they're not that difficult to come by. Uh, but, you know, things get real about six months or a year down the line. And that's when I think uh, having this kind of thinking and getting really objective about it is so important. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Damn Good Marketing Podcast. I think the key takeaway here for me is uh, don't fake it till you make it. Just don't go there. It's not worth it. And uh, I think it's worth spending that time to do something yourself, uh, right down to the last detail, the adjective you want to use on a copy. It's okay, like just do it. And then once you know how to do it, you let someone better do it. You know, so I think uh, that's definitely my key takeaway for today. Uh, what's yours? We'd love to hear. As usual, our LinkedIn profile links are in the podcast show notes. And uh, do go say hi to Aniket on LinkedIn as well. Thank you. Thank you.